I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, you are, you know, it's not a video podcast just yet, but you're in a different location today than usual, um, to sort of in between work, but um, love the commitment as ever. Yep, absolutely. Thought it was a good way to kind of bang this out today. I uh, just got the news about Fina withdrawing, so that kind of changes things, huh? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, that now leaves, what, Seamus Power and Brian Harmon as the highest-ranked players in the field. Um, so that kind of says everything you need to uh, say about the RSM Classic right now. Um, any kind of quick thoughts on the Houston Open? Not too much to talk about, I think. No, I mean, if you didn't have Fina, you didn't have a chance from like midway Friday. I can't remember a tournament where it was completely over that early. But you just knew. You got the sense it was over. I, I never really thought I had anybody in it after you know noon on Friday. So didn't really pay much attention over the weekend. It is what it is. Yeah, I felt the same way. I think... I actually really like seeing Fina doing what he's doing, but it definitely did ruin uh, my tournament, that's for sure. Um, look, I think we'll, we'll just head straight into the RSM Classic. This is an event that uh, features two golf courses, has done since 2015, so that obviously changes things a little bit. Tee times have just come out for the um, seaside course and the plantation course. So one thing to note, for this is more for probably first-round leader and bets and things like that, but... You can shoot the lowest score by number. So you could shoot a 64 at a seaside course and not be the first round leader if someone shoots a 65 at the plantation because, you know, it's to par, right? So 72, par 72 at the plantation course, um, par 70 at the seaside course. So just keep in mind those two uh, courses. Maybe you want to kind of stack some things. Um, not something that I generally get too involved in. I try to steer away from that unless there's any sort of real obvious reason to. Um, but I think, generally speaking, if you like a player to win this week, uh, they've got to go well on both golf courses. In terms of general difficulty and like strokes under par, I don't think there's much difference between the two courses. It, it used to be that the plantation was easier, right? And then uh, Davis Love III and his brother came in and, and altered things in 2019. And now it's definitely shored up a little bit um, in terms of, you know, Sebastian Munoz shot 60 at the, the seaside course last year. So... Um, you know, you can go low on both courses, and I think generally speaking, they require the same sort of things. I mean, the seaside course is a little bit more open and blustery, whereas the plantation course is a little bit more tree lined and things like that. But ultimately, the same sort of players are going to do well. Those that you know hit their approaches and you know short irons and wedges well. Are we looking at any weather on the seaside course? I haven't noticed anything just yet, but I haven't given it a whole lot of thought right now. Uh, I will have a look at that as we go on. So let, let's kind of talk about some of the guys that we like um let's go from 9k above with with Finau, the only one of three that was above 10k let's just go 9k and up let's look at the other two remaining 10k guys do we need power or harmon in our lineups no but you know what i'm a little upset about the Finau withdraw because i was going to fade him and he was going to be really popular um you know maybe it would have burned me but i thought it would have gave me a little bit of um of leverage uh for me i'm not really going to play those guys i'm kind of going to play more balanced and start a little bit lower yeah i mean look, i i do like uh, seamus power he's my kind of top bet of the week I, I do prefer joe damon in terms of just who's my favorite but um he he is definitely the the one of the shortest odds that i do like seamus power so um i do think he's got great chances ball striking has been unbelievable um since you know 
basically the last three events, right? Like he was he was excellent at the Bermuda Championship. Then he followed that up with he was first in ball striking in Mexico, where he was fifth in driving accuracy, fifth in driving distance, and first in greens and regulation. Like that's a pretty unbelievable set of figures. So um, I think he carries that on here. He was fourth in this event last year after missing four straight cuts uh, at the event. So I think just the evolution of the golf for Shamus Power uh, has had an impact. Just looking at kind of the wind gusts um, on Thursday, there is some gusts in the morning, 18 um, KTS. I never know quite what that, what that translates to, but um, similar to miles an hour, I'd have thought. Um, wind speed generally remains pretty consistent throughout the day, 10, 10, 9, and 8. Uh, then 18, 14, 11, 11. So definitely the, the you're not going to get afternoon starters because they all tee off in the morning because it's a split course. But uh, those guys that maybe tee off that slightly bit later in the morning might benefit from the dropping wind. Okay, that's interesting. And then just that power. I mean, the two events he's been great, but amazed like the CJ Cup was his last start before when he won Bermuda and he lost 7.4 strokes on approach. Did how many of that was in the last two rounds though? Because he, he started the event actually really well. I think he shot like 68, 67 or something and then tailed off and shot 74, 74 over the weekend. I know you can't discount two rounds, but like, because it's half the event, but it feels like, generally speaking, he's actually hitting the ball pretty well. Well, I think that is actually a good segue into my favorite guy on the board here. It dips down in the nines, but Tom Hoagie. Yeah. Because he had one bad round, but if you get rid of that one round, then I mean, he's been pretty much unbelievable for the last month um if not more i mean fourth at shiners ninth at zozo 13th at the cj cup and then like i would have been more worried if he shot like 75 75 to miss the cut at at mexico but it was just literally one round he shot he was a four under on thursday and then um missed the cut by like a shot on friday with a bad round so i'm right back in on him yeah and he shot a 66 hoping round let you say and 66 73 is no great straights and i'm pretty sure we had the conversation about hoagie in mexico that although he suits up perfectly for that golf course he hasn't actually had a great record there so it wasn't a massive surprise that he actually missed the cut um whereas when you look at this golf course or these golf courses if you like uh he's got fourth and ninth place finishes uh he's got a 25th he's got a 37th he's got a 32nd so i think he's relatively safe um you know he fits that kind of southern boy sort of whatever profile you like for rsm classic and yeah, I think he's probably the best. I, I would I would feel pretty comfortable actually starting Power and Hoagie and then just trying to shoehorn everyone else in because I think you can do that this week. Uh, I agree you can do that for sure. Uh, I I like Harmon. The price is just high. His betting, DK, whatever you want to look at. Like it just I don't really want to pay that for Harmon. Um, of course, fit-wise, it, it should make sense. But I think you can jam in two of these 9K guys or if, you, like you said, you want to go Power, Hoagie or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Hoagie Day for me. I don't, I don't think there's enough difference between Hoagie and Harmon's chances to, to pay the extra. Like I think I think um, I think Harmon is absolutely fine, and if he was priced more like um, Hoagie is, and in terms of betting and DFS, then there's a conversation to be had. But just for that kind of stark difference, in, you know, five hundred dollars is quite a big difference between those two golfers. So um, skipping right over Taylor Montgomery with you on Jason Day, I think you just got to keep uh, going with him. There's a there's a player later down in the board that draws the same sort of parallels I'm going to talk about, but you know, he was 12th here a couple of years ago. Ball striking is absolutely great as it stands. Hasn't finished outside the top 21 in his last four starts. You, I think you sort of mentioned, you sort of sent me a blog earlier and you sort of mentioned, can he win? And maybe not, but I think he can. I think he's absolutely 
you know able to at the moment and 8th 11th and 18th in strokes gain approaches last three rounds uh last three events 5 19 5th 19th and 19th in t to green um i think that's pretty impressive yeah different conversation in terms of betting but like he's played so well but when has he ever really sniffed contention it's just so rare that you see him with a chance to actually win over the weekend and that was the same story at houston he was good all week but just couldn't never got like within a couple of the lead obviously being out kind of changed that but like any time in the past four starts whether it was a shriners when he finished eighth like the stats are great he looks great he's playing great i talked a couple of weeks ago about he just finally put four rounds in the 60s together for the first time in two calendar years now yeah. he did it for the second time in four starts he did that last week too um, but nothing really low. So, you know, I think at this price, perfectly fine. Doesn't have to win. A fifth-place finish could be good. But I do question his ceiling, although I am going back to it once more. Those four rounds in the 60s last week at the Houston Open are certainly more impressive than, you know, other four rounds in the 60s, right? Like, some courses, you need it. Like, you're going to have to shoot four rounds in the 60s here to contend, um, unless you kind of shoot, like, a 61 and 62 on two days, I think. But, you know, you need to go low here. So I think Jason Day is absolutely fine. Um Keith Mitchell mentioned last week who I thought could have been an interesting play. Um, you know, it, it was against the corner course form that he'd had. And I know you mentioned that he hadn't been playing well, but his ball striking just stood out from an off the tee perspective and he finished ninth, right? So I was pretty happy with that. And he comes to this golf course. Uh, he's a Georgia guy, right? Like he's a Georgia Bulldog. So um, 14th and 12th uh, in the past here. I think he's absolutely fine. But I just love Joel Damon again. Like I just... I cannot see past Joel Damon. For some reason, I've got this thing in my head that Joel Damon is like a world beater all of a sudden. And maybe it's because these guys keep disappearing to a different tour that, you know, suddenly some of these guys get an extra bump and become kind of top 20, 30 players all of a sudden. But, you know, he, he's not finished outside the top 37 in the last five starts. He's been 16th, 3rd, and 9th his last three. This golf course has seen him produce some really good rounds. Uh, well, these two golf courses, should I say. Uh, he shot a second round 61 at the Seaside course two years ago. He shot multiple 65 and 66s across the two um, courses as well. So I think he shot 64 at the Plantation in round one on his second start as well. So, you know, he's definitely capable of shooting low numbers just where we can string the four rounds together with his putter. Yeah, and one thing that I do think is good about him is he will be uh, ownership have an ownership discount as compared to everyone will be playing day mitchell will be popular as you said mitchell is a um george he's also a sea island guy he's yeah sea island so and that's a narrative that you've seen actually come through many times here the guys who live in this area play really well in this area it's just a consistent thing a lot of these golfers live here um and he's one of them who lives here so i do think that's but i like the ownership break for damon i'm probably not going to go there um but if you like him i think it's a really nice leverage spot especially when you're playing a guy like hoagie who's going to be incredibly popular especially after the final withdrawal day is going to be really popular um so my start to my lineup is going to be pretty chalky so i'm going to have to find some other ways to get different won't be with damon for me but i see where you're coming from do you uh is denny mccarthy gonna be for this week no not really like middle yeah, I've seen, I've seen some sort of chatter about him and just wonder whether he might pick up some steam. I just I don't see it. I think he can go round on any, you know low on any good round. I think he could definitely um, you know go and and lead after round one, for example. But I'm not necessarily sure that um, you know he he's going to win this tournament. I never am kind of sure with Denny McCarthy. And I think you've got to pay up for him too much. This is a really interesting round, like price range now, like nine k and you know nine, between nine and eight k because. You've got a couple of guys here that you've liked playing in, in recent weeks in, in Matt Kuchar, or one guy definitely in Matt Kuchar and Taylor Pendrick who are 
you know, you're asked to pay eight, nine about Matt Kuchar. Is that too much for you now? Yeah, I think it is. It's too much for me. And I like him a lot. He's been playing pretty well. He's a guy I always go to, but I just question his ceiling now at this price. You know, his last three starts, 12th, 29th, 27th. That's great when you're paying 7200 for him. But now that he's 8900 I'm not quite sure that his ceiling is much better than 20th at the moment. We just haven't seen that from him. It's going to be the winner's going to be 20 under or whatever, and I don't think he can get there. And I also a little discouraged by his course history, which you'd expect to be so much better than it is. I thought he'd be like, I was looking back at it last night, sort of thinking that he would, you know, be this kind of top 10 guy all the time. And he isn't. Like, he's had a seventh place finish, which I think was basically. It wasn't on debut, but certainly since the first time since the the two course rotation, um, and I always seem to remember him losing a playoff to Kisner here, but that must have been somewhere else. It must have been the Heritage. Um, yeah. Thigala is going to be. Is there going to be any steam on him? I've seen it, um, you know, kind of like in Twitter and all that. It's not showing up in the DraftKings prices right now, but I don't see the i don't see why people like him here it doesn't make sense to me as a course fit whatsoever no i don't like him at all i just thought that if he was popular it'd be someone that i'd warm people off um patrick rogers is a guy that i wanted to bet and he was i, I looked back at my preview from last year and i ticked him at 90 to 1 and this year he's like 45 to 1 50 to 1 and i don't see i know he's been playing well but i don't see the the reason to back him at half the price so i couldn't bet him but in terms of like DraftKings, i mean he's got a tenth for second here in the past um, you know, this is one of those places where he's had, you know, the chances to win. I think when he was second going into the halfway stage last week, I was kind of preparing that tweet where you, you talk about him being a bit of an all-time winner and someone that's been well over June. He just looked like third at the Bermuda Championship, final round 65. He was ninth at the halfway stage at Mark Hoover, finishes 27th. He was second at the halfway stage last week, finished 16th. So I think he has a tough time finishing it out, as we know about Patrick Rogers, but I definitely think he's a viable play. Yeah, he was one of the guys who I was like, I don't think anyone's going to make a move on Finau here, but if there's anyone who's going to, it's, it's probably him because he at least has that upside talent if he's playing well. Yeah. But he was disappointing over the weekend. so, And that's kind of his story, like you said. So, I, I yeah, I'm not going to be able to get there. I'm going to Neesmith at 9,000. Yeah. Who he it, it seems expensive, and but he's another Sea Island guy. Um, he's in the mold of the Duncans, the Cooks, the Strebs, the guys who have really played well here. He's best on Bermuda. Um, before that 53rd at Houston, which doesn't suit him because he's short off the tee. Yeah. Ninth, second, ninth, Sanderson, Shriners, and Zozo. Um, you know, and if there's anywhere in the world he can win, it's, it's probably here. Yeah, it's one of those ones where like I don't believe in the talent of Matthew Neesmith as much as others have. I know he's improved and he's gone ninth, second, ninth. Like that's, that's a hell of a run, right? And even last week at Houston Open, he shot the second round of 64, so he's probably playing better than you know he, he needs to to kind of knock it around here and 14th 15th 29th here suggests that he's gonna be very very solid he's he's priced up because people know he's likely to make the cut and make a run at it and i think he's he's one of those ones matt where i think people don't want to pay that much money yeah. for matthew neesmith and that might put people off yeah i think so too um you know now i bet him at 40 to 1 which you know made my stomach hurt but <laughs> but now that Finau withdrew it's a lot more palatable to be honest so yeah, I mean, I imagine there's going to be some love for Mackenzie Hughes, 8-6. Uh, this is a guy that has recently won. He's won here. He's finished second here last year. Uh, he opened with 63 last year and didn't first-round lead because Sebastian Munoz shot a 60. Uh, but 25th, 1st, 23rd, 16th to start the season. Um, 
it's right in Mackenzie Hughes' ballpark to play well again. It is. We always talk about how he plays well at the places you wouldn't expect him to. Yeah. Um, this is a place you would expect him to, and he actually has. But um, after the win, I'm kind of off him a bit. Last week was a bit deceiving, 16th at Houston, but he lost 2.5 on approach, lost to half a stroke off the tee, gained almost nine putting. So, which he can do from time to time. But, I, ju- um, I just think the only thing I would say to that is that the tests are so different that like him gaining strokes and approach at Houston is so different to here, right? Like he's going to have right. a lot of short irons and wedges. But um, definitely take your point that you know that sometimes we it's important to know that what fueled it the, the previous week and, and it was putting. Um, so good nugget there. Then you've just got basically like I take it Pendrith is, is not for you on this golf course. No, no, no. So then you've got the old timers, right? Webb Simpson, Kevin Kisner, Justin Rose. So I'm going with Justin Rose again. It's the same conversation that we've been having throughout the year. It's the same conversation we've had about Jason Day, and that's what I said about drawing parallels at the start, like former world number one, former major champion. Uh, I think Rose actually needs to get in the top 50 to secure a Masters invite by the end of the year, which is why he's probably here, because um, he didn't get in that tour championship this season. He's talked about like it being a really frustrating period for him in 2022. Finishes ninth last week uh, at the Houston Open. Was really good on ball striking. I think he was second in greens regulation. Really good in driving accuracy. His distance wasn't great, but doesn't really matter too much, especially here. Um, came into this event last year out of form and finished 12th. I really like Justin Rose go well. Yeah, I'm going to be playing him too. I do like him. I always like him, though. He's kind of one of my Achilles heels. Yeah. Uh, as people who follow that show for a while now um but i do worry that it was just kind of a blip he you know he, his ball striking was pretty good but he still did gain six strokes putting and um and he still only came ninth you know which is, is good but what what's his ceiling uh, but, this- but when i think about justin rose right like at his best and if he's gonna get back to that like he does both of those like he's a solid putter and a good ball striker so he does piece it together and so i would not necessarily think it was a blip if he's going to return to like if he's going to do what Jason Day is doing where he's just going to solidly finish um, inside the top 10 and 15 for the first four events it's just he really needs to take advantage of this start now because there's nothing left like once once the new season starts again he's got to go through swing changes again he's got a, a winter to get you know his health back it feels to me like the winning upside might not be there but at 8-2 I feel like he can definitely top 10 again yeah, I, I believe in him long term. I do think he's not going to get back to his peak, but he's. I think he still has some good golf left. He's not too old at this point. Um, and but if you look at all of his past top ten, top fifteen finishes, it's like he needs to putt. Houston gained six, finished ninth. RBC Canadian finished fourth, gained almost nine putting. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, let's see, Farmers he was good without it, but then you look at. Um, uh, that PGA Championship gained 4.2. So, like, if he puts well, and he does put well in Bermuda, so I think um, he could. I, I bet him here last year at a, at a way worse number. So, yeah, I like the fit. And the fact that you know, if it does get a little bit blustery, that's going to be fine for him. He, we know he can cope in those kind of conditions. I guess we're skipping right over Webb Simpson, Kevin Kisner, despite obvious course claims. Yeah, I mean, Kisner lost almost lost more than 10 strokes tee to green last time he played at the CJ Cup. I didn't think he was that great at the President's Cup. Um, I never really like him that much. Um, but he did come in here a couple of years ago. Um, I remember because a lot of people were betting when I faded him, but he lost in the playoff to Strip. Hmm. Um, so, but so I think he can show up here with no form, um, and he's low owned. So it's not really in the price, the ownership, all that is not a bad time to take a shot on him if you really want to. 
I think I thought that last year and he missed the cut. Like, I, I think I applied the same logic to what you did in the sense that, like, he finished second in bad form um, in 2020. He'd, he'd missed a cut the year before and, you know, people were playing him. I think I played him at, like, 50 to 1 and thought it was, you know, the, the better of the century, right? And he finished second. And then he came back this year and it was, like, you know, absolutely poor. And there's just nothing like there's, there's nothing quantifiable in, in Kisner's game right now to say that he can do it again so it's just I guess if you look three starts ago he was finished sixth in approach but it's I don't know he, he was tee to green he's been 46th 60th and 72nd his last three starts he's been horrendous so um, I definitely believe in him more than I do Webb Simpson at the moment is what I would say yeah yeah I agree um, I agree with that either, but I'm not going to play either of them no any love for Davis Riley, Wyndham Clark, Brendan Todd? I think I know the answer to Davis Riley. Riley's no. He's going to be popular. Everyone loves him. Everyone wants him to be something that he may not be. Could be wrong. Maybe he, he is. But um, I'm, I'm going to not be a part of it, um, although the price is intriguing. Um, Todd, I do like. I think is is a great fit for Todd. Um, and Putnam, I, actually, that you started, you started at eight. But I, I like Putnam as well. He's going to be pretty popular. But I think finally we're going to a course. I do, I do wonder whether or not his time has ended, but it is a course that finally should he should be able to win at if he plays well. I thought Brendan Todd's call again. Like I thought Brendan Todd's course form was better here than it has been, but he's got fourth and sixteenth place finishes. His ball striking was great um, when I played him going into the Mike Over, and he didn't didn't show up there. But you know, it's not the end of the world. He actually shot 67, 68, and sixty-seven. It was just one bad round that kind of really derailed him, if you like. So if he finished twenty-fifth. You know, it could be a completely different story. So I do like Todd. Uh, Wyndham Clark's fine to skip over. It's not really his golf course, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, like Put- with you with Putnam, I think that I, I was going to tweet out that like it's Andrew Putnam week when every- you know everything else should have been Andrew Putnam week, and it felt like this is a perfect fit for him based on what he's done in the past. But I'm a little bit like you that it probably is over for him. I know he's finished 12th here in the past, and he's finished 37th, and they're both fine. And he is playing well, but I do think the the time is running out. I and mean, he's what second, twenty ninth, forty eight, thirty fifth. He's kind of going in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, basically, I, exactly what I was thinking. I prefer Smallly at the same price, but I'm assuming he'll be popular given the the potential efforts he's put in recently. Let's see, Smalley will be no, not popular. So, you know, with Smalley, 11th at Bermuda, 4th at Houston. I just thought that was some good form coming in. It feels like a type of golf course Alex Smalley can impress on, so I think he's okay at 7-9. And then you've got a group of players here that are all intriguing, I think, in their own right. JJ Spawn, 7-8. Aaron Rice, 7-8. Harris English, 7-7. Will Gordon, 7-7. Any plays for you there? I feel like it's an Aaron Rye week for you again. It, it could be. Um, I'm not... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. It is a place where he should well but we thought that at Bermuda too and he didn't really have the course history but you and I both kind of figured like he doesn't have the course history but it's it's only a matter of time this one he played here once and he finished 16th so definitely a better fit um yeah I, I do like him I do like him I, I'm not in love with it but I'll, I'll probably play a little bit yeah, I'm interested in Spawn he's playing well he's got I think it's like four top 25s and he's you know, three top 25s in his last four starts which are you know, reasonably impressive he's got a second place finish here one of many earlier in, in his career 16th here last year do think he's a slightly different player than he was in years past so 7-8 I do like JJ Spawn I think I'm out on Will Gordon for now because I think he's going to be popular because of that 10th place finish here and 
I think it's maybe going in the wrong direction for him again. I agree with that. I don't love the course fit either. You had mentioned a couple weeks ago about wanting to get on Harris English before the price kind of drops. Yeah. Um, goes up. And if there's any any places to place, this is it. I think I bet him at 28 to 1 here last year. Um, it, he's a Sea Island guy, lives in the area. Not going to be popular. Pretty cheap. Would it shock anybody if he came out here and you know played really well? I don't think so. So he, he's a guy who I have starred. It's weird, isn't it? Because, again, he is, uh, he is a Sea Island guy. He's a University of Georgia guy. 15th, 27th, miscut, 25th, miscut, miscut, full sip, miscut, 6th, miscut. Like, it's a really weird bank of course form. But he does have that sixth place finish here two years ago. But I guess that was probably when he was playing really good golf at the time. He shot a final around 62 to kind of move his way up. Yeah, I think he's fine. Like, I, I, it's one of those ones where, like, I'm not as excited about him as I was two or three weeks ago because he hasn't done it at, you know, Mayakoba in Houston. But then again, he opened with 64 at Mayakoba, closed with 67, and then shot three rounds of 69 to open last week. So, all pretty solid stuff. So, there's no reason to have bought him just yet. So, I think. English is a fine play. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, let's see, anyone else in this area? I was I was interested in Lipsky. Me too. Yeah, like 44th, 40th, 10th, 22nd. I think it's like a really decent run. Like when he was 44th, he shot 69, 68, and 65 at the Shriners. Uh, when he was 40th at the Zozos, obviously a disappointing finish, but he actually shot no worse than 70 that week. He was 10th at the, the Mayakoba, three rounds of 66. And last week he opened with 66, closed with 67. Like, I know that David Lipsky scores in bunches. I've seen it on the DP World Tour. Uh, he can just get hot with a putter. So I think somewhere where he's going to go like short approaches and putting, I think that suits David Lipsky. And I'm pretty sure he was actually right in contention to lead after round one last week. He was like firing, wasn't he? Um, shot 66 in the end, but I'm pretty sure he was like 500 through six or something. So he's playing well. Yeah, he is playing well, and I think even that 10th place or whatever it was at Houston, um, Houston was a really good showing for him because that golf course I don't think suits him very well. Um, yeah, it's 20, was, 22nd at Houston, 10th at Mike Haber. Okay, yeah, 22nd yeah. Houston. So, I mean, he if you look at it this way, he um, gained strokes in the field in terms of hitting fairways, which you know was somewhat important last week, but he just couldn't keep up distance-wise. Uh, he was really low in driving distance that week, so I think he was just – you know, playing well despite the course not being a great fit for him. So I do think now coming to a place where he shouldn't have to worry about trying to keep up with that driving distance, I think is going to be a really nice spot for him. Yeah, that's like my thinking. Like the 22nd at Houston is probably akin to finishing top 10 at Mike Over. Like they're probably similar results for him. So, um, you know, you look at like he, he won at Crown Associate, he won in Af- Dunhill Championship um, in South Africa. Like they're two courses where there's like a premium on sort of iron play rather than anything else. He has played one well in like Abu Dhabi and stuff, which is a bit more open and longer but generally speaking just like sees like palmetto he played well as well which is not a million miles away from here right like he was a tight eight so um yeah just just some promising signs for david lipsky the popular players here i imagine chris kurt grayson sig um any interest in either of those two i do like sig um another kind of sec guy who um has played played in this area a bit um cheap enough and he's another guy like Lipsky where uh he just doesn't hit it very far and like at some courses that's really gonna hurt him um and this is a place where you can get away with not hitting it so far so I think this style of test will suit him pretty well um do his ceiling I don't know he hasn't really shown much of a ceiling um but you know I think at this price you can I, th- I think he's a, a fairly safe bet to kind of get through the cut 
he he's the guy that I think has got to change the narrative about him a little bit because there's a lot of like oh he's going to be good at some point and that's been a couple of years now and he hasn't like I don't even remember Grayson Sig ever really having a chance to win but he was sixth after round one at the Fortinet fell away to finish 51st he finished ninth at the Sanderson Farms best best effort so far of the season 44th at the Shriners doesn't really bother me too much not kind of an event I would see him playing well at Bermuda he was sixth going into the final round finished 11th. And then his last start at Mike Obrey was seventh going into the final round, finished 42nd. So he's playing really, really good golf. He's been in the top six or seven, you know, five or six times a season already. It's just um, finishing off um, after, you know, four rounds. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to add that I just thought of when you were talking was Neesmith. Um, one thing I liked about him that I forgot to mention was he won an amateur championship in North Carolina, um, kind of right down the road from here. Uh, and I think he grew up in um, near Augusta, Georgia. So I think, um, uh, you know, kind of in, in a similar area guy. So I know that that's kind of random. But Sig, Sig, same thing. He's one of these uh, guys, uh, you know, Carolina, Georgia's, who's, who's played well in this area. So that's that's part of the narrative, too. Yeah, if I think of a player that I think can do what Keith Mitchell did last week, i.e. overcome reasonably poor current form and poor course form and play well because it should be a course that suits, I think that's JT Poston. Um, you know, I think it's perfect for him, this golf course. Like plenty of short irons and wedges, get hot with a putter, has finished 14th here, even, you know, either side of five missed cuts. So he's been poor otherwise. Uh, but I do think he could just have a good week, and I think that course form would put people off. Uh, so he's an interesting one. And then I'm guessing the, the, t- the two people I've kind of seen the most things about in the 7K range so far uh, Davis Thompson at 7-4. I think he's the son of the RSM organiser or something like that. Um, and he's obviously an SEC guy as well. And then Ben Griffin, who shot, he holed out his final shot at the plantation course to shoot a 59 earlier this season. Um, and, you know, he's been playing pretty well. So I think those two guys are going to be pretty popular. Yeah, I like Ben Griffin. Um, one of my favourite players on the board. He has just been playing awesome. And it's usually the corollary courses where he's been playing well like he was great at um Wyndham finished fourth Sanderson pretty good finished 24th Bermuda third last uh last week in Houston played really well um despite it might maybe not being the best fit for him so and he's a Sea Island guy he lives in the area went to uh North Carolina uh so he just is a guy who I, I bet at 100 to 1 and I think makes you know plenty of sense um like him a lot uh, let's see. The other guy you said there was Davis Thompson too. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. I'm seeing he's not going to be popular, which I'm surprised about, and I don't necessarily believe. Um, no, because... I, I think when it comes to it, his ownership will be different to what the projections say because I've seen so much on him. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily. I think Ben Griffin is a lot better event for him than it is Davis Thompson. Like I think Davis Thompson could win here and challenge here based on talent alone, but I think he's better off at events where his driver comes to the fore. Um, whereas Ben Griffin, as you mentioned, has already got that top four at Wyndham. Um, I really, what I really liked about Ben Griffin was how he bounced back from the disappointment of Bermuda to play so well uh, again. So he opened up a 66 at Mike Ober and you know didn't carry it on, but finished 59th and then comes back and finishes 16th last week. Uh, course that maybe isn't best suited to him. Like a, that's a really good upturn in form after a really disappointing final day. So I, I like Griffin. Then you know no matter what he really gets to ownership wise, it can't. It's going to be capped at a certain amount of this price range, but. I do think Thompson would be more popular than the projections suggest. Yeah, I agree too. And like, no one's really, we're in a tough time of year. Like, no one's really filling out these things and giving us a good sample size on projections and stuff just because people are pretty much checked out. 
you know, we'll be checked out after this week. So I don't think we can put too much into the numbers this week. What about someone like a Patton Kazai that flashed uh, to finish 10th last week at the Mayakoba? I'm pretty sure I saw you mention him. Um, but, it, but it was amazing that out of nowhere, really, Kazai goes and plays well at Mayakoba. And they're the sort of events that he does do well in. So it's not a great surprise. It's just that he was playing so poorly that, you know, he didn't know when the next good <laughs> good event was coming. But he's got a 15th and 10th place finishes here um, with, with rounds of 65, 64, 63, 66. Like... He's very, very solid around his golf horse. Or golf yes, horses. Yeah, I, I bet him at 140 to 1, and I do think he is a good first round leader bet, too, just because he can go so low, get so hot. Um, great putter on Bermuda can, like, just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like we saw at, at, in Mexico. Like, he seems like a guy who just plays the same course as well. Um, each, like, you know, repeat performances, I know you like to talk about. So yeah. he does that. Uh, Mexico is a good place for him. I think this is a good place for him, too. I've bet him here, here in the past, and he always ends up, you know, playing pretty well. Um, you know, Sony, he plays well at, like, just these, these same types of ty- types of places. I was just I was just filling out a lineup just to see what, what I could do here, and I had it as Seamus Power, Tom Hoagie, Joel Damon, Ben Griffin, Pat and Gazire, leaving me with only 6-2. And there's a guy at six three that we'll come on to later. That I was really desperate to try and get in, so I'm a hundred dollars short. Um, sorry, uh, no, it's not actually. I don't even know if he's actually been added to the pool yet. Um, but uh, but Maybe I like add him at 6K. if they add him in, then great. That's gonna that's gonna sort my life out. Um, let's go into the six Ks. Unless you've got anything else to mention in the sevens? Um, no. Uh, there's there's a couple of players I could have spoken on, but like I just. Ultimately, I don't feel that great about them. So, going into the six Ks, I like John Hurt. I like Austin Cook, six nine hundred and sixty eight hundred. Yeah, I was looking at Cook. Um, obviously, a previous winner. He's not a guy you'd think could repeat wins. But then you look at Robert Streb, who <laughs> similar profile to Cook, and he won this won this thing twice. Um, and, and Cook's been playing pretty well. Twenty seventh in Mexico, twenty seventh at Houston. A lot of us were the putter last week, but just seeing that from him, you know, he's a guy who does have a high ceiling, and I can every once in a while you see him just come in out of nowhere and contend. Obviously, this is a place he can do it. It's been a while since he's done it in like the PJ Tour, but he closed out the Corn Ferry Tour with finishes of 4, 34, 26, missed his first three cuts in the season, then finished 44th um, at the Bermuda, where he was actually 13th going into the final day, finished 27th at the Mayakoba, which is the best he'd done a week. And then 27th last week when he was actually 14th in the halfway stage. And I was looking at, like, you see players like Tyson Alexander, like, finish second last week. And you think, like, what like what did I miss to, for him to finish second? And you, normally there's nothing because, it, you know, these are just people that are good at golf and get hot on any given week. But you look at Tyson Alexander, he missed the cut, but he was actually 26th after round one at the Fortinet. He missed the cut at the Sanderson by plenty. He was 64th at the Shriners, but shot second round 65 and 66. And then he finished 44th at the Bermuda, but he was actually 23rd after you know three rounds. So actually, he was playing some good stuff, and I think that um, is what Austin Cook is doing as well. And I think he, he comes back to uh, a course that he really likes, and I think he can play really well. Yeah, my only concern would be his form has just been going backwards at the course. Um, one in 2017, 11th in 2018. 61st in 2019, miscut, yeah. miscut. I think that's just his career trajectory, though, and I think he's actually just turning it around a bit. So I'm willing to give it... Like, if, if he then misses a cut again this year, then fine. It just means that he's probably lost the confidence of playing there, maybe, or whatever. Uh, or maybe the first two years were actually a bit of an outlier. But I think that 
because um, if, if I'd seen it where he was like first and eleven before it was a two course rotation or something, I'd probably put it down to that. But I think it's I think it's just he's been in the wilderness a little bit and now he's coming back. I trust him. Uh, John Hur has got he made his first four cuts at uh, these golf courses: forty eighth, ninth, twenty seventh, thirty seventh. He's finished twelfth and twelfth the last two years. Uh, he was second at the halfway stage last year as well. Look at John Hur's season, pretty dismal, missed cut, 73rd missed cut, 45th, 65th, 27th missed cut. But, you know, the 27th at the Mayakoba is, you know, that's just where John Hur plays well, right? And he opened up with 65, 67th after day one. So there's plenty of encouragement of what he did at Mayakoba. He was um, fourth at the halfway stage at Zozo, shot a second round 61. Um, so do we do we put John Hur in based on the fact that we know he can repeat for yeah, that makes some sense. Looking at his, so he's had six finishes of third or better in his career. Mayakoba, Wyndham, Valero, Amex, Heritage, Wyndham. I mean, pretty much just places like this course exactly. So uh, obviously he's a, he's a type of guy who likes a certain uh, type of golf course. This is one of those golf courses. No one's going to really think he's, he's playing well because of all the red I'm seeing on his screen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nice little spot to, to get in on him. I like it. Yeah, I like John Hurt. Big Dick Robert Streb. Now he's gone up from like 6,100 to 6,700. I'll be playing Robert Streb. Uh, of course, he's won that feel, twice. Yeah, I feel the same way about him as I do about Cook. Like, um, I think both those guys are high upside plays based on the fact that they've both won here. Um, he's won here twice, obviously. He's just the type of guy who's only going to play well at certain courses. Um, I thought he might have played a little bit better um, at, where was it, uh, Mexico? Yeah. Um, but he was all right. But in Bermuda, 29th, 42nd, not bad. Uh, miscut at Houston doesn't bother me too much. It's not a good golf course for him. But even in bad form, he's good at Wyndham. Um, you know, okay at Heritage. Yeah. I, I, is he going to win again? No, probably not. But he, he, can, he can make a cut for you. Yeah, it would be amazing if he won three times in, yeah. in, in that short span, right? But um, David Lingmurf's interesting. So he won on the Corn Ferry Tour at the tail end of last season. He's finished 11th, 8th, missed cut last three starts. Houston doesn't necessarily strike me as somewhere he would play great. So he's 8th at the Mayakoba, where he shot 65, 66, and a 65. He was 11th at Bermuda, where he shot four rounds of 68 or better. Comes to a golf course where he's finished 14th, 63rd, 17th, 43rd. Like, no, I don't expect him to pull up trees, and I think probably the 17th place finish that he's finished here is probably... His peak, although he, you know, has finished 14th in the end of past, but 17th, 18th, 20th finish for for David Lee Murphy, I'll be pretty happy at 6700. Yeah, yeah, he seems all right. Um, but my question is, why don't we just go back to um, the guy who was there last week in Tyson Alexander, who gained, and he did it all with his irons, which is great. 6.3 on approach, 2.3 off the tee. Um, and don't these guys in swing season who play well like string performances together? Yeah, I mean, like he he was number one in the field seed screen last week, fourth in approach. So, uh, which is amazing considering how well Tony Finau played, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know anything about Tyson Alexander. Like the, the people I've been targeting down here in the six K range have been guys that I know have been around for a long time and know where they play well at. Um, so Alexander, I guess, is like one of those ones where you just ride the current form. Yeah, I don't know much about him either. Um, it seems like looking at his stats, he's more of a um, distance than a accuracy guy, which obviously helped him at Houston, so that could be one of the reasons not to go to him. He wasn't really great at Bermuda, although he did finish in 44th, good enough at this price. Um, 
good for greens greens and regs last week. So, um, yeah, I just think he's a guy you could just ride the form, and you know the field is so weak that he can just kind of sneak him through. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, Akshay Batia has been added in. I skipped past him at 6,500, so he will not save my um, card. But I do like him. I, I do think it's uh, an event that he will play well at. Um, he shot was it 62, I think, at, at the Monday qualifier. Um, mm-hmm. with his girlfriend on the bag which he always mentions he was 17th uh, at the Bermuda he spoke about the fact that it was really frustrating not to get his card after winning the first event last year on the Corn Ferry Tour um, had a lot of injury problems but then finished 14th at the Utah Championship with uh, bookend 64s he finished 27th at the Pinnacle Bank Championship missed the three cuts during the Corn Ferry Tour finals or around that time and then just didn't play again until Muda 17th. So he's a guy that's really struggling for uh, starts, for status and things like that. But I just believe so highly in his talent. Um, he does look like he could get blown over by a Sea Island wind. Um, but I think he's fine at 6,500. Yeah, talent is certainly not the issue for him. I, I liked his interview um, a lot because he talked a lot about confidence. And yeah. he's had some issues in the past year. And it's not, not, not been with talent. With the girlfriend on the bag, he's been a lot better. But um, he's talked about mental health a little bit. He's talked about confidence and not being able to, like, he's really young and just trying to make it in that decision of skipping college and all of a sudden, like, being, it's like, oh, shit, i got to pay for my dinner now. Like, yeah. what am I going to do to get, to get my card? I, I think we spoke about it, didn't we? I, I still think it was probably a mistake, like, mm-hmm. just skipping college. But it, it kind of showed that initial confidence in his ability that he felt he could do it, and then maybe it's just come crashing down. But, you know, what, what are we going to give this guy? I mean, what is he, like, 20 years old? I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, he's got another 10 years before we start writing him off yet. So, um, I'm pretty confident in his long term talent. I think he'll win in the next couple of years. Me too. Yeah. And he's still about 10 years younger than uh, Taylor Montgomery, the young gun. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, don't, don't let people hear that because he's, uh, I said yesterday he's going to be 25 to 1 for the next like 20 months. So, um, interestingly, Cameron Young, same price as Tony Finau for the Masters. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Wow. Interesting. Um, so yeah, Tony Finau is going to win Augusta next year. Maybe. Dean Burmeister, sixty-three hundred was a guy I was trying to shoehorn in at, at sixty-two hundred. I just couldn't believe that he was sixty-three hundred. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, I know he played poorly last week in Houston, but he was thirty-second at the Mayakoba, thirty-seventh at the Shriners, fourth at the Sanderson Farms. He was fifth at the Cornfrey Tour Championship, fourth at the Alberson Boise Open. Like. I don't think it's the best golf course for him because I don't think he can use his kind of driving ability. But just for talent alone, like these people around him in this price range, Dean Burmese is much better. That's inarguable. Uh, he's definitely way more talented than all these players. Although I do feel like it could be a little bit of a trap. Um, he's too is, cheap. Is, is that why he's there? Like is some menace and the DraftKings price and just going like, yeah, have him at 6,300. You know what's going to happen. Same with Patia. Like, yeah, you can fit him in at 6,500. They're both going to miss a cut. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, the thing is with um, Burmeister is like, with Batia, it makes sense. I don't think that's a trap because he's just, he's a Monday qualifier. Like with Burmeister, he's been 7,700, 80, you know, 8K like the last couple of weeks. So um, I don't think, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it's partly the course fit. Uh, his iron's been pretty bad descending each week. Last week, they were really bad. Um, I thought he'd play well last week and he didn't. Uh, so I'm off it. And he's going to be a little, he's going to probably 7, 8%, but at 6,300, that's a lot. So I'm probably all set. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Um, the only other person I did have eyes on who just is impressed a couple of times this season already, Harrison Endicott, 12th at the Fortinet, 10th at the Bermuda Championship. Two kind of shorter tests that 
maybe suggests that's what his sort of game is. And you look at where he's missed the cut, Sands and Farms, Shriners. Um, he did miss the cut, obviously, in Mexico. But, you know, I, I just think some of those couple of efforts suggest he could play well. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Kind of similar um, as the, you know, the other guy we talked about where just maybe ride the form. Swing season, these guys usually finish it out strong. Um, so, yeah, he's cheap, makes sense. Let's go then. Our favorite picks. Let's have our best picks above nine k. For me, it's going to be Hoagie, um, and he's going to really pop. I'm going Hoagie and Day eating the chalk on both those guys. Yeah, I'm going to go with Joel Damon and Seamus Power in that range. Eight um, k for us. Um, I, I don't love the range. But I'm probably going to go Rose. Yeah, I'm going Rose, 8200. I do like Mackenzie Hughes at 86. Um, I think he, he obviously adds a bit of stability, I think. Um, 7K, let's have a couple from there. Uh, I'll go first. I like David Lipsky at 7500. And I'm with you on Ben Griffin, 7300. I like those two a lot too. Just to switch it up a little bit, I'm going to go Sig and Griffin. Yep, no, I like that. Uh, 6K, let's just have... We can have one or two in this range. So I like Austin Cook and John Hur, as I mentioned. Um, I'm going to go Patton Kazire, 7K. I know he's 7K, but I'm cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like you. And, <laughs> and then I'll go... Uh, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I'm probably going to play Petit at 6,500. And I didn't mention him before, but I'll, Cameron Percy, who just keeps kind of showing up, I just feel like he has a higher floor than some of these guys, although the ceiling isn't high either. Um Duncan, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Cook. Cool. I like it. Um, I do, the more we talk about Patton Gazai, the more I think it's a really good week for him. But I've been in this position with Patton Gazai before where I thought he was like the best bet ever of the week. And I probably thought he was like a, um, you know, a, a whale play, if you like to call it. And uh, he was dog shit. So I haven't really recovered from that. Um, but there's a time for everything, right? And I think it does make sense. Well, the two aren't always, uh, you know, both can be true at once. It could be a great bet, and he could be dog shit. I think those are both the likely outcomes this week. 141, I think it's a great bet. He's a spike. He's a ceiling. He has a spike putting week. He can win. Sea Island guy. Could he come in last? Probably, but doesn't mean it's a bad bet. Yeah. No, actually, I feel the same way about what I did with Finau at the Mike Over. Like, I bet him because I thought he was a decent number there, and he was in great form. Misses a cut and then finishes on the next start. Like, it suggests that it was probably a good bet that just didn't yeah. pan out that week so uh, never a true word set Matt Vincenzi uh, I do like that uh, great to have you on this year so 2022 this is our final show for the DraftKings uh, show there is no other events that we need to cover I don't think they will be playing any other contests um, as far as I know I don't think we're doing like QB shoots or anything like that um, no. we may be back with some kind of look aheads or some general topical discussions throughout December we haven't necessarily nailed that down just yet have you Matt but um, any plans that we do have in place, we will tweet out, share, let you know what's happening, uh, and let you know when to find it. Yeah, so six weeks until Tournament of Champions. I'm guessing that'll be our next actual drafting show, but between now and then, just maybe one show, um, something other than a drafting show, maybe some type of uh, season preview or general golf discussion or PJ Live, whatever, whatever it may be, 
Um, if you guys have any, uh, you know, thoughts on what you might like to see us talk about, throw in some comments, uh, tweet at us, DM us. So we'll do one thing in between now and then, though. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's a really good idea. Let, let's throw it out to listeners and see if there's something that they want to, to talk about. And if we, if we don't get the feedback or, you know, some of the things they ask for are things that we don't want to talk about, then, then fine. Um, all things are welcomed and they won't be ignored. Um, it just depends on, you know, what we feel about these subjects, right? So, um yeah, I think there's definitely room for a topical discussion. I think we, we both love golf. We both talk about it an awful lot. Um, and we don't want to just pigeon ourselves, pigeonhole ourselves to just draft kings every week. So um, let's get that in the diary at some point for December. But otherwise, guys, enjoy the, I guess, the football for the rest of the year. Uh, NBA is obviously, you know, swinging into things right now as well. Uh, we have got the World Cup coming up next week. There will be some tweets from me, uh, especially when England are playing, um, especially when England are playing USA next week and, and we lose or something ridiculous like that. So um, there's going to be plenty of tweets about the World Cup, but no content. So, yeah, just enjoy uh, the break. I think I think everyone's a little bit fatigued by this point of the PJ Tour season. And uh, we'll see you again for the Tournament Champions. All right, let's end it with a bang. Good luck. Good luck.